Hello and welcome to Yupcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Jamie and I wonder what you look like under there. Maybe he's a Gungan. Is that why you don't want to show your face? And my name is Matt. His fight against the droids has made him a symbol of freedom for the people. Cool. Is yours Hondo? No, mine is Migs Mayfield. Oh, that's right. Wow. That's a fun episode. Yeah, I actually, there's actually one that I wanted to use, but I'd already used it, which was him just um, is from the, uh, the, um, the episode The Believer of Season 2, where he's like, yeah, Empire, New Republic, it's all the same to these people. Invaders on their land is all we are. That'd be a little bit more um, topical, but I couldn't think of anything better, so I found this one. I thought it was funny. That's a good one. Yeah, I, I remember it now. Um, but before we get too far into talking about Boston comedians, um, we're back from our Ewoks diversion. Today we're doing our 26th episode of our Clone Wars review. we review Liberty on Ryloth, which is Season 1, Episode 21. Basically the end of Season 1 for, for our purposes, which originally aired on March 13th, 2009. We are doing a rare Wednesday night recording because of scheduling stuff, but... Um, you can start off by, did you do any Star Wars this week? Or? Do not want. Okay. Yeah, no, not nothing really other than um, just stuff for the episode. Um, talking to you about uh, the latest news and stuff, but... Yeah, other than that, been, there's, since there's no like new, no new major books out, I've kind of been slacking in my Star Wars. Yeah, a new High Republic young adult novel has come out, um, but I have not gotten it yet. It's um, Escape from Valo, I think, is the title. I know you don't read the, you don't do the audiobooks or read the short ones. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I've said it in the past. I'm very stingy with my audible credits, so uh, it has to have a certain amount of uh, a certain amount of uh, hours of entertainment. Or, well, I say entertainment, but it has to have a certain number of hours before I'm like, okay. Yeah. So, so I'm waiting for the audiobook of that. I'm continuing my Legends. Um, book reading. Um, I started this project. We talked about it on the podcast before, where I'm reading in the in universe chronological order the Legends novels, and I completed in the past since our last recording. I completed the book Red Harvest, which is about a Sith Academy on like a frozen wasteland planet, and it is a wild tale about zombies um, a a sith lord uses a force sensitive flower to make a life prolonging elixir and it turns everybody into undead zombies it was sort of like a cross you know that bane not bane that blade movie where they had like super vampires yeah 
Um, it's Blade sort two. of like that. Yeah, Blade Two. It's sort of like that. I have a big problem with that movie. Um, <laughs> okay, do tell. Yeah, I saw it in a the theater with my brother, I think. And the whole movie, like the movie, is about Blade hunting these super vampires. He's hired by the vampire, like aristocracy, to go kill these genetically modified super vampires. And aside aside from the fact that they're misused the term retrovirus like a thousand times in that movie. Um, there's a scene where they introduce like the, the elite squad of vampire hunters that have been assembled and they all have cool names and special features, right? Like Iceman and like that scene. Ron Perlman. Yeah. Like the whole, the whole, <laughs> like the whole team is introduced and then they kill them off immediately before they do anything. They're killed in the very next scene and they have this whole introductory thing where they're like, they're like, yeah, he's, yeah, he's a vampire hunter with 30 years experience and he's got all these cool weapons and this one's a martial arts expert and right. And Snowblade and blah, 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 blah. And then they're all dead within like five minutes. It's like, well, that was pointless. What was the fucking point of that? Does that uh, happen in the comic? Oh, uh, who knows? But it's like in, uh, did you see Deadpool 2? I think so. Where, the one where he goes to the to the X Men mansion and they're all hiding from him. Um, yes, but also um, he assembles a super team and they all die right away. Spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> but that's Deadpool. That's the point. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think Blade Two is making fun of comic book movies. I think it was taking itself seriously. While was these times it was avoiding paying his taxes. <laughs> I'm just looking at some of the names. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, some of them have goofy names. I'm just like, are you on Blade or on Deadpool? Blade Two. Yeah, the thing that I actually thought you were gonna say is that like, like, okay, it's like, so your name's Matt. Okay, you've been Matt for however number of years. You get bit by a vampire and you become a vampire, and then you become part of like a vampire special forces squad. And now, now you want to be known as um, Scud, Scud, <laughs> Snowman, or Light Hammer. Um, yeah, these people suck. Jigsaw. Yeah, just like, and then okay, so basically, like all of a sudden, like you now have these funny. Um, all of a sudden, now like you want to be uh, called like Dick Puncher. And you're like, all the vampires are like, uh, Matt, no, no, no. It's like, or is it just like a cool, do you just automatically get assigned a vampire name? And like, here, you're really good at this. So I guess yours would be science, uh, count, count science or something like that. They still get to drink as a vampire, right? They still drink alcohol, right? Yeah. That wouldn't be so bad. Yeah, Sorry, I, I'm, I guess I, I'm looking I guess at I'm, the Blade universe right now. I'm just really jealous that they get cool names, and us mere mortals get stuck with simple names. Yeah, I wish. Uh, we got sidetracked fast though. Oh, so <laughs> what? <laughs> That's never happened so, before in the history of Yubcast. Yeah, so I finished. I finished Red Harvest. It's it's a wild Legends book has put on Twitter that the book has a lot of telepathic conversations with the force sensitive flower in it. 
So if that's your jam, you're gonna love it. I give it like a B plus. It's like a B or B plus. It's it's entertaining um, for weird Sith stuff. I've just started the was it my fifth book in this series? Um, yeah, fifth book, and it's called Fatal Alliance. And I'm too early in the book to know what it's really about. But the Sith and the Sith and the Jedi are bidding on some unknown cargo that was recovered by the Hut Syndicate from a weird transport ship that used to be a Sith command vessel, but it appears to be a salvaged one. So I don't know what the MacGuffin is yet, but there's like this bioreactor everybody's bidding on and trying to steal or whatever. But it's been a fun, it's a fun project and I'm going to keep it up. There are a lot of books, so I don't know how many I'm going to get through. But so far, this this audiobook has been really entertaining. This new one, I'm two hours into it, Fatal Alliance. I was trying to explain to my wife that it's always hard. Sometimes it's hard for me to get into a Star Wars audiobook because the first two or three hours are all like um, introducing the ridiculous names of the cast of characters and the places they're going to go. So it's always like... Like Emir, like Dracolar. Dracolar is a Venetian, and they live on the planet Dromacos. I was like, "Fuck! Do I have to memorize all these fucking names so I can follow this book?" So sometimes I'm slow to get into it. But this one I've gotten into very quick. It's very. It starts out with a lot of action, so it's very good. They're sort of filling in the details of like the plot and setting. And the characters as the as the action progresses, so I'm I'm very into it. Um, so I'll report back on that book probably in a week. Right on. I also did some retail therapy today and bought a bunch of Ewoks animation cells on eBay. So I have, I'll have more of those coming. But other than that, I don't think I've done a whole lot of Star Wars this week. So the retail therapy of the of the Ewok animation cells is sort of my birthday present to myself, I guess. Because it is my birthday in a week or two weeks. Um, two weeks. And I like collecting this stuff. So yeah, I just, I just reached out. I am doing something sort of fun for my birthday, and we're going to have a couple recordings before that. Um, but I am going to go visit my mother because I got the Jewish mother guilt trip stuff about, about come visit why don't you come visit um and she she did an amazing thing and got me a ticket to uh go see rancho obi-wan because my mother lives in northern california only 40 minutes away from petaluma and i tried to get a ticket and they were sold out but she found a ticket on a ticket on eventbrite so i get to i get to go to rancho obi-wan the first week of march that's cool. I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah. All my mom did was buy me an Xbox. <laughs> that's a that's a pretty good gift for you though. Yeah. No, it was it was it was, it was very nice. I was not expecting it at all cuz it was one like one of the first like super like nice nice things that I was just given, not just bought for myself. Yeah, and you got a lot of, you get a lot of use out of that Xbox, so Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, it was. It, it I got it right in time to play uh, uh, Jedi Survivor, which was awesome. 
But um, I did contact Rancho Obi-Wan and tell them that I was going to be in the area and that I have a Star Wars cartoon podcast. And if they had any Nelvana stuff, I would, it would be great to see it. And the director, not Steve Sansweet, but like the director of operations there, emailed me back and basically said, we don't do interviews. So I'm still very excited to go. <laughs> I wasn't necessarily asking for an interview. I just wanted to let them know I was coming because I'm very excited. I'm stupidly excited about this. And it's going to be, I think, March... Second or first or second at like 10 in the morning, I get to go. So I'm very excited. They said I can't bring any recording equipment with me and I can't record anything on the premise premises, but I still, I'm going to have a great time and I'll tweet about it or something. Yeah. I mean, what is recording really? Yeah. I mean, scientists disagree, right? Yes. <laughs> just, just asking questions. I mean, I mean, you're recording, I mean, you're recording stuff with your mind. So what? You can't bring your mind? Yeah, especially my mind, right? Yeah. <laughs> just, I'll remember fucking everything. <laughs> just bring, just show up a like a huge a dialysis machine that's actually it's like it's actually a professional like recording studio just jammed into like a dialysis machine. It's like, oh no, this is for my. This is uh, I need this to live. We've come up with a camera so tiny it fits into this oversized novelty hat. <laughs> Now, go get us some incriminating footage. And remember, you have to get in and out in 10 minutes or you'll suffer permanent neck damage. Wait, could, yeah, could, I, I got I got a ticket because it's my make-a-wish thing, right? <laughs> and uh, could you say that thing again closer to the dialysis machine right here <laughs> at this port? I told you I went to go see that documentary um, about the making of the holiday special. Mm -hmm. And it really reinforced my collecting behavior because... Because they had all these enthusiasts, including Steve Sansweet on there, talking about this era of Star Wars. And I'm just so excited. I, I have no idea what's going to be in there. Like, I know we, I know they have the life-size statues of the animated Ahsoka from, like, the Clone Wars movie. And the um, Grand Inquisitor from Rebels. And these are, like, I know my basement is ridiculous, but... These were things that if I bought, my wife would seriously consider trading me in for somebody else because they're expensive. Like these things are unobtainable to <laughs> me. And so I'm very excited to see some of this stuff. I have no idea what it's going to be like. If anyone's ever been there, feel free to tweet at me at Yubcast on Twitter or X. Um, other than that, I'm sort of, I'm sort of sour on Star Wars this week. Uh, not Star Wars, but Star Wars fandom. There's a lot of bullshit happening. Yeah. I don't want to get into it, but there's a former actor is suing Disney, and everyone has an opinion about this. Uh, we're not going to talk about it on the show. Um, other than what we've said previously, which I think is fair, is that we really were rooting for her, and she had multiple multiple ways out of this mess. Mm -hmm. And she picked the hardest path for herself, and that's her choice, and that's her right all of those things, I've moved on. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, the whole, like, the name of the movie is The Mandalorian and Grogu, supposedly confirmed. I call bullshit on this. This is a fan theory that has been spread about the social media verse. It's fucking bullshit. 
there's no chance that that's the name of the movie. And until there's an official release from Lucasfilm saying it's the name of the movie, that's I'm, I refuse to believe it. You think it's just them trying um, trying to force them to uh, correct the uh, like uh, we'll we'll say that it's Mandalorian and Grogu and that can gain traction then they're going to be we're going to force them to say no 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 it's not actually this it is this cool name um, it's the it's it's uh, Grogu and the Mandalorian but yeah that that I would accept <laughs> that I would definitely accept. <laughs> I'm just getting so tired of like the rumor mill. You know what I mean? The threads, the threads in fandom that I have issues with right now are the rumor mill where people just say bullshit just to get clicks. And then like the toxic fan stuff. And then even the anti-toxic fan stuff where people are just endlessly positive, like endlessly attacking the toxic fans by like either screenshotting them or, or doing stuff like that. It's all the same crap. Just stop. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, the toxic fandom, I can't stand because I. It's like, do you really feel this way? Or are you just do, doing this just for fake internet clout, or just to be some sort of like edge lord troll? Um, the people who are like, then kind of like going against it is like, at a certain point, just like give it a rest. Um, the rumor mill sucks because, like, I I miss being able to speculate about Star Wars, but now like every 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 dipshit has a has a podcast, including us, or some sort of YouTube channel that uh, that theorizes about um, whatever's happening in Star Wars, and it's just kind of like uh, I kind of miss the good old days where you just like you just like run into somebody at a party or, or something, and they know a shit ton about Star Wars and then you end up like talking about Star Wars and all sorts of like theories and whatnot because there was the internet wasn't uh, what it is right now. Um, but yeah, just the, just making shit up just for, just, I don't know, just for like clicks or it's just garba- for the hell garb- of it. It's garbage in garbage out. It, I'm just so tired of it. And so I'm just sort of annoyed with Star Wars fandom right now. I'm sure it'll pass in a few days, but this lawsuit has consumed everybody everybody feels like they have to weigh in on it it's just silliness yeah i'll i mean i all all i'll say about it on this podcast is it reeks of me at my most pathetic after being dumped by my high school girlfriend um just the like the the do the begging groveling raging wishing to be taken back it just it makes me mad because it i don't want to say it makes me mad it makes me sad because of it reminds me of that and it's just like oh that's just that's just sad just a second i'm looking at my ex-girlfriend on linkedin (laughs) 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 oh Mine's an optometrist, so she's doing great. Yeah, my yeah, my wife doesn't listen to this show. Um, my ex girlfriend owns a uh, biotech company in the Netherlands. So. <laughs> <laughs> Path not taken, right? <laughs> yeah, my my ex girlfriend is Elon Musk. I mean, 
Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's just. Yeah, I don't know how much of that's going to stay in the podcast. <laughs> do you want to? Do you want to move on to the show? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, to the notes. So today, as we discussed earlier, we're doing uh, Clone Wars Liberty on Ryloth, which is Season 1, Episode 21 of Clone Wars. This is the 26th episode of Yubcast covering Clone Wars. And the original air date of this episode was March 13th, 2009. Before we get to the plot, I wanted to highlight one guy. And this is a Star Wars royalty... Um, he's in the cast of this week's episode, and his name is Matthew Wood. Um, he plays Watt Tambor today and the B-1 battle droid. Um, Matthew Wood is, like I said, Star Wars royalty. He is currently the supervising sound editor at Skywalker Sound in uh, Marin County, California. Uh, this guy is Ben Burt, part two, right? So he mm-hmm. was Ben Burt's apprentice. For a long time, worked under Ben Burt forever, and now he has Ben Burt's old job. Um, this guy has been in everything that you can imagine. Um, he he was the uh, sound editor for the prequel trilogy and for the special edition or the 2004 DVD releases of the original trilogy. Um, he has credits in just about every single Star Wars property that you can think of, but he's always playing background characters, just sort of throwing his, like, throwing his voice in where he can. But he frequently plays Bib Fortuna for some reason, um, including in The Mandalorian and in Bad Batch and in Book of Boba Fett. He just plays, like, background characters, and he often plays droids. Um... He's been in just about every video game, Star Wars video game you can imagine, and he also has he's also accumulating um, credits in the Marvel universe. For example, he was the uh, supervising sound editor for the series Loki recently, really, and the group sound editor for Guardians of the Galaxy three and Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania, etc., etc., etc. Um, so this guy has worked on Andor, um, Tales of the Jedi, Bad Batch, uh, The Mandalorian, Young Jedi Adventures, Ahsoka, every single Star Wars um, property out there, Visions, Book of Boba Fett, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. He just has a thousand credits. Um, so yeah. this guy is Star Wars royalty. The funny thing, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring him up today, do you have a comment? Sorry. Yeah, say this is, I was looking at his IMDb and I just... This is wild. Yeah, like even even the non Star Star Wars stuff is pretty wild. If you go back far enough, um, he was heavily involved in the Adventures of Young Indiana Jones. He he was the assistant sound editor on that show, and he has multiple cameos in the show, like just background characters mm-hmm. like walking walking on and things. Did you ever watch the movie Titan A- Titan A E, the oh, animated movie? A long time ago. Yeah, that movie sucks, but uh, <laughs> but he was the supervising sound editor of that movie. It doesn't suck. It just rips off a lot of sci-fi to the point where I think 
there's a line in the movie um, where one character where their spaceship is stalling and one character says to the other, would it help if I got out and pushed? Help! I got out and pushed. Captain Soda. Captain Soda. Mine. Yeah, that movie was pretty forgettable. I don't even remember what it was about. Exactly. Anyway, the like he's he's worked on like Speed Two and Con Air and Eraser and Mission Impossible. Like he's worked on everything you can imagine. Like this guy literally is one of these people with hundreds of credits. Um, but I wanted to bring him up because I was watching, like I do for all of these episodes, I was watching interviews, any interview I can find from anybody associated with, with the episode. And he said that they hadn't cast, by the time that they were filming, they hadn't yet cast the voice for Watt Tambor, who's the sort of villain in this episode. Um, he's the techno union guy. And he was referred to as a legacy character because he was a character that appeared on screen in a film and had a speaking part and so they had a lot of material to reference and they had to be consistent with that material and matthew wood said that uh ben burt played watt tambor in attack of the clones that was his voice and he was present when bill burt um sorry ben burt um recorded the part and he's like, well, I could do that because I saw Ben, I saw Ben Burt do it, and he just did it, and they put it in the episode. And it's not inconsistent with like other things he's done with Star Wars because he was in a bunch of other stuff prior to this. But it was just funny to me that like he once again like follows Ben Ben Burt in in playing the same part that he played. Yeah. All right. I don't have anybody else. For the cast this week, we have a pretty standard cast otherwise. Um, do you have any questions about Matthew Wood? Uh, no, I don't. All right, ready to move on to the plot? Yes. All right, so the fortune cookie this week is compromise is a virtue to be cultivated, not a weakness to be despised. We'll get to whether or not that's applicable in this episode later. So the little newsreel in the beginning recaps the previous two episodes. This is the end of a three-episode arc all on Ryloth. Uh, Anakin fights in the skies, Obi-Wan liberates people on the ground, and now Mace Windu and his forces are pushing into the capital city of Lesu. And in multiple interviews with Filoni and the lead animator, they they said that this was basically Mace Windu's introduction um, as a field commander. Previously, he'd been in other episodes, but he was always sort of behind-the-scenes guy on like cruisers and things, they had never put him in the field before. So we're going to get to see how Mace Windu behaves in combat. All right, so the show opens up with these walkers sort of scaling these narrow mountain paths. Um, so these, uh, what are they called? I forget. I think, I think there's like ATTE. Yeah, ATTE yeah, walkers, the little like ant shaped ones. Um, so the droids are shooting at them as they're walking up these mountain passes and they disable the lead tank. So the clones are boxed in. Um, Windu calls in lightning squad and Mace uses the force to push the disabled tank off the ledge. Before he does this, he sort of uses his hand to shatter the windshield and pulls all the clones out, uh, of the forward compartment. And the lightning squad shows up in these super fast little nimble walkers and they act as sort of a cavalry 
um, yeah. droid, the droid, droid position. Yeah, these are really cool. Um, they're kind of like the uh, uh, eight, like like a ATST, just like really like a small version of them, just like a one person, or it's just like so like instead of like riding a horse, you're like riding this thing on two legs. Yeah, Filoni said he wanted them animated to be like raptors, and they're like super fast. But the all the animation team kept referring to referring to them as chickens. Which I guess makes sense because chickens are the descendants of theropods, like raptors. Mm-hmm. But I really like the design of these things, and and there's sort of some good banter between Twi'leks and clones later about them. All right, so so basically this, basically the column of ATT walkers is disabled on the mountain. They evacuate them, um, call up Lightning Squadron on these raptor walkers, these fast-moving two-legged walkers. Mace Windu pushes the ATTE off of the cliff with the force, sending Lightning Squadron ahead on these walkers. Um, the droids are concentrating their fire on the advancing walkers, but they keep missing. Um, Mace and yeah. Lightning Squad take out the advanced positions of the droids, and Mace gets a status update that Obi-Wan has broken their lines otherwise in other areas. Do you have a comment? Yeah, so I wanted to just talk about the... Uh, like the uh, lightning squad for a minute these um the clone troopers ha- are their helmets are kind of like they're um they're what would become the scout troopers um like the in- indoor scout trooper like like speeder bike guys yeah uh except they except their helmets kind of like kind of like in the and like the back goes to a point and the, the top of the back I don't know if it's meant for aerodynamics or what. That's a good call. I didn't notice that detail. Yeah, and can, and I've I've always liked the design of like the scout walker or not scout sorry the scout troopers, and 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 the, the clones that have that kind of visor. But what's the purpose? It, it, what's the purpose of having kind of like the blinders like that? Yeah, it's. I don't think any of any of their helmets are optimized for vision. Like I don't, I don't honestly don't know how it works. Right? Um, we see we see that the whole face shield sort of pivots up on a hinge um, when Ezra's wearing it, and I think other troopers are wearing it. But yeah, you'd be basically you'd have no peripheral vision, and it's basically it's supposed to be a motorcycle helmet, so the screen should wrap around to where you could use periphery, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and even if like like even then seemed like you're going super fast on a speeder bike or one of these walkers, it's like it's not very aerodynamic. It's just going to catch and just jerk your head around. That's good. That's a good point too. It'd be like a big scoop. Yeah. In front of your face. I mean, they look cool, but they don't really never made a whole lot of sense to me. Maybe looking cool is the point. <laughs> yeah. All right, so Mace and Lightning Squad take out the advanced positions of the droids. Mace gets a status update that Obi-Wan has also broken their lines elsewhere. But while they're talking, um, we see one of those little probe droids spying on them and reporting back, presumably to Wat Tambor. So the tactical droid is in a meeting with Wat Tambor and calculates that the Jedi will be at the city gates by morning. He recommends a retreat. Wat Tambor says there will be no retreat, the Jedi do not have enough forces to occupy the city. So Wat Tambor is stationed in 
Lesu, the capital city, which is sort of sort of has a natural moat around it. It has like a canyon around it that acts as a moat. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, it's something I, I wanted to mention because this has come up in previous episodes. Is that you would think you're fighting a battle against the droids, like and like they they're either they're pushing through enemy lines. Why are you going? Why are you loudly declaring battle plans? <laughs> yeah, because then because then there's just like. Oh, there's a droid, and he's spying and listening. So now they know what's going on. Well, Watt Tambor proves himself to be completely incompetent in this episode. So mm-hmm. Mace's lack of operational security doesn't much matter. <laughs> <laughs> Where's your OPSEC? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he gets a he gets phishing attempts on his uh, <laughs> Jedi email account, and then he's like. And then he he gets redirected to like the some sort of uh, security uh, page and says that he has to take uh, he has to take a Jedi uh, online security training again because he, <laughs> he, clicked, he clicked on links for something stupid. You don't understand. It said that I could optimize my retirement benefits through the Jedi Academy if I just followed this link. Yes, Jedi was misspelled. <laughs> but but uh, you know, it's spelled multiple ways in the past, and I mean, I mean, and buying bars of Beskar is a really good way to uh, in, invest money because he he senses uh, he senses something's trying to destroy the Jedi, so they're going to need to have be able to have cash on hand. So clicking a link where he can buy Beskar, just, it just makes sense. Do you think one of the Jedi's that figured out? Now we're way off the topic, but do you think one of the Jedi's that figured out that something was happening to the Jedi Order started a podcast or like an AM radio show talking about how blind the Jedi were? Um, this is a short story idea. Like someone who starts selling like crypto uh, in the Star Wars universe because they they sense the fall of the Republic. We'll work on this. So someone who's just like, like an Alex Jones type, or like, yeah. or they just become some like they're trying to tell it, they're trying to be like the scientist in every disaster movie. Be like, no, something, something's happening. Something happens, and everybody's like, no. Oh, I guess you got a good point because they would be right. I don't think I want to make Alex Jones right. Yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll work on it. No, but I'll you could think about it. Hmm. Yeah, I, I like this idea. I also like the idea that uh, Mace Windu is because uh, I, I actually just had to take a security training for my new job, so it's just like this stuff's fresh in my mind. So the idea that uh, Mace Windu is completely clueless as far as operational security. Do, do you think um, like Mace ever like leaves like a terminal open when he goes to the Jedi archives and like Jakasa New passes by and there's like an ad that says like. Hot toilet girls in your area want to meet you. <laughs> oh, Master Windu, close your <laughs> close your browser pop-ups. <laughs> he gets stuck in them like a tornado. We <laughs> can't close them fast enough. <laughs> Those even happen anymore. Um, I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I could just see like you know like he gets a. 
he, he gets a call uh, on, on his communicator um, saying that Yoda's been kidnapped. And he's like, what? You know, meanwhile, you know, Yoda's just in the next room. So he goes and he, he, he sells a ton, ton of like priceless Jedi artifacts and wires the money. <laughs> Yeah, he's got a Zygerian prince. <laughs> right. you, don't, you don't understand, guys. All right, got to move on with the plot. All right, at a briefing with Palpatine, Yoda, Orn Frita, which is the fat Twilight senator. We haven't talked much about him. Anakin and Mace. Anakin reports that he's securing the blockade, and that won't be a problem. This is sort of a reference to the first episode of this arc. Mace says Obi-Wan has secured the Southern Hemisphere, um, but the capital is still under the control of the Separatists. There's a single plasma bridge in and out of the city, um, and they can dig in and survive a siege, and so they have to take the city. This plasma bridge is sort of a cool thing. It's basically a drawbridge to get yeah. in, and, in and out of the capital city. Yeah, I've seen it all, I've seen it in other um, uh, sci-fi um, franchises, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, just a, a light bridge that... Um, that you can cross and it, they're it's a they're very good for like video games where you've got to like jump and stuff like that and every now and then the, the bridge will only stay lit for like a minute and then it fizzes out but then it comes right back and then yeah it's a cool concept i i, I like seeing it here yeah and it serves its purpose right it Which, shows that they have an impossible job getting troops into the city Unless they can control this bridge, and the bridge can be turned off at any second, which made me wonder. It's like it's like seeing those um, where you see like a mansion in like the Alps or something, and you're like, and, you, and all you can think is like, how the hell did they get all that stuff up there, and and make this thing? So it it kind of made me think of that as like they obviously didn't have a light bridge. They didn't have light bridge technology when they first built it. How the hell did they get over there? I don't know. Stupid I things. Assume I, the answer, I assume the answer to all those questions is slaves. <laughs> Probably. All right. So Mace, Mace recommends that they use the freedom fighter Cham Syndulla to help him secure the city. Palpatine and Ornfrita don't want Cham to be involved, but there is no choice. The the back and forth here is pretty interesting. Ornfrita is this fat Twi'lek who lives on Coruscant, and he basically says that Cham and him were rivals at some point in, in the past. And Palpatine basically says, isn't Cham an extremist? And so there's some political maneuvering happening. Yeah, it's, it's obvious um, Palpatine doesn't want them to partner with, with uh, Cham um, because that's not like that's not part of his um, plan. Um, I mean, I mean, I don't know what the the plan with Ryloth is, but he didn't. He wanted them to fumble it more. I th- I think. Yeah. So so in our watching in our watching of this show, we're watching them in the in universe chronological order. We've already met Cham, but this episode is the introduction of Cham. So this is his first appearance. And we're going to talk about a path not taken with his character that would change a ton of Star Wars. And so we would, so we'll get there. Okay. Um, all right. So <clears throat> we cut to Mason and a couple of clones that are out in the desert looking for uh, Champs and Dula and the Rebels. 
Mace sees Blurg tracks and says they were fresh. Um, they're overlooking this ma- site of massacre with some grave markers next to it. And they hear a roar off in the distance, and they continue to ride off looking for the rebels. Um, Count Dooku calls in Wat Tambor and tells him that he is no match for Mace Windu. He has lost the planet. Wat Tambor tries to argue, but Dooku says to take what can be plundered and destroy everything else. Ryloth will be made exa- an example of, and Wat Tambor says he will do what he is what he is told. This is sort of setting up the exit strategy. They're just going to carpet bomb Ryloth, like they do with the Mandalore eventually, or what the Empire does with Mandalore eventually, um, and just make them an example of what happens when you defy uh, the Separatists or seek help from the Republic. Yeah, I kind of felt kind of felt bad for Wat Tambor in that instance because he's been pretty much told that like um like uh your your farm league the, the pros are here you know yeah, yeah it's a little it's a little comical because he argues briefly and folds immediately <laughs> it's like Dooku's like no, no you're gonna get, you're, you're gonna get killed right here you yeah. gotta get out all right back with Windu um they're still in the desert, and they're hiding from a patrol of droids. The droids uh, are saying that they're looking for the missing squadron, and they find some broken parts from this missing patrol. The droids say this missing patrol were the older models um, that were programmed by a central computer. Mace does not want to fight these droids because he thinks that the rebels destroyed the first patrol, so they must be close by. Mace and the clones hear some blaster shots nearby, and the droid patrol is destroyed. Mace and the clones run out of their hiding places to see Cham. Um, Mace says he came seeking Cham's help. Cham replies, what makes you think you will get it? This is our introduction to Cham. What do you think? Uh, It's good. I like it. I I wanted to go back. Just I didn't want to interrupt you because you're on a roll. But there's a little bit of comedy uh, it was actually it was, it was subtle, but I, I found it pretty funny. Was that they um, when the battle droids find the head of the one and say that he, he was an older model that was controlled by like the control ship, and they're like like not like us, we're independent. And then they all go, he goes Roger, and the other one goes Roger, and they all go, they're all going Roger, Roger. Yeah, so that I love that scene, and it, and you're right, it is for comedy. Um, here's some interesting trivia about that scene. We'll do the trivia right now. That it was a deleted scene, and it was added back to the DVD release when season one was released on DVD. And um, Disney had the Disney Plus version, which I assume is how we're watching these. That's how I'm watching them. Um, kept that scene in, but it was originally um, removed. I think it's it's smart to leave it in, though. Yeah. No, I agree. It's uh, it was it was um, it's very funny. And um, people who think they're all, they're independent, but then they do and say the exact same things. There's a yeah, lot of that. There's a lot of that in our society right now. <laughs> yeah, and the, them just repeating Roger Roger to each other over and over again really hits nail on the head. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, what we're back with Wat Tambor after we meet Cham we flashback to Wat Tambor. He's meeting with the tactical droid. The droid tells him that the bombers are almost ready and that his shuttle will be ready for his evacuation. Wat Tambor says he's not ready to leave. 
tactical droid just says whatever. The shuttle will be ready when he wants to leave. So back with Mace and Cham, they enter the secret base of the Twi'leks. Mace is saying that they are close to taking back the planet. He describes the situation that was on the Venator, but they could use Cham's help taking back the camp capital. Cham says that earlier in the war, the Republic couldn't help Ryloth, and they were forced to surrender to the Separatists. They came unarmed, and the Separatist army tried to exterminate the Twi'leks. This was the massacre that they were standing at earlier. Um, and so Cham is extremely reluctant to help anybody. He's Cham is a nationalist, right? He is a freedom fighter. He only believes in the plight of the Twi'leks, right? And mm-hmm. there's even a great line where he says, eventually I'd be fighting you mm-hmm. if you didn't leave. Um, so there's this nice exchange in between clones and the Twi'leks where one of the clones sees a Blurg and a pen, and they just rib each other about how the Blurg might be grumpy, but it's faster than the walkers. Just some nice banter. I like when they add that stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Cham leads them into a larger chamber full of Twi'leks, Gobi, and a couple others that we um, meet. We hear about more details about in the book um, Lords of the Sith. They're in there with women and children. Cham tells Gobi to get healthy while Cham carries a small girl. Cham offers Mace, Mace and the clones food, even though they don't have a lot to spare. Um, so it's really showing Cham as this gracious host. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back with Wat Tambor, he orders the bomber the bombers to target the closest villages and the inhabited ones especially. So they're going to start their firebombing campaign on Twi- on Ryloth. The Republic, we see some Republic forces approaching a village. The clones report that only only remaining friendlies, mostly women and children. The clones plan to give the village some supplies, but the bombers come out of nowhere, bomb the village, and they don't even attack the clones. They just leave the clones there, killing only civilians. Yeah, it's very much like if we can't have it, nobody can sort of attitude. Right, and we talked in the previous episode about sort of the horrors of this war, and they're really hitting the nail on the head here, saying like, like yeah, well, we'll just watch the world burn. Um, yeah, and if I can't have it, no one can is a good way to put it. So we cut back to Cham and Mace, and there's sort of a dance party happening. Cham says these distractions help keep his men motivated. Were you going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, I was, I'd like to do... I, I, uh, I didn't think about it until now, but like, look at like this Twi'lek dancing, and then the, the, the dancing that the Twi'lek does, uh, the Twi'lek slave does in Return of the Jedi... It's, oh, I didn't think of that. It seems similar. Yeah. Um, Ula, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So Cham says, uh, Mace asks Cham why he won't help them liberate his planet. Cham says that Senator Ta is not to be trusted. His views of the future of Ryloth are not in line with his own. Mace says the Republic will provide stability during any transition. Cham says if the Republic occupies Ryloth, then they are not free. Eventually, he would be fighting the Jedi, too. Mm-hmm. So I, I sort of put this in the wrong order but when I was talking about it earlier. But this is where Cham's, Cham's view of Ryloth is Ryloth for Twi'leks, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a, there's a big difference between him and uh, Ornfrey Ta as well. Like he's, he's young and he's fit. Ornfrey Ta is like fat, slothful. Like his, 
his uh, leku are actually almost like like flat. They're like so flabby. They're just kind of like flat. Do you remember what happened to Soren Frita in Bad Batch? Uh, no. He gets he gets shot by. Um, no, it's not by Crosshair. It's by somebody else. But um, and it was it was one of, it was a point of contention for the show because we thought it was a continuity error. But he actually doesn't die. Um, he just gets injured severely. Mm-hmm. But he said right. it's like a fall guy. Anyway, he gets what's coming to him. I guess mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to say. All right. So while while Cham and Mace are talking, a clone reports to Mace that the droids are firebombing villages, destroying several in the sector. Cham looks heartbroken and tells Mace to set up a meeting with Senator Ta. He will help them after all. So his hand is forced. Wat Tambor is having his droids load shuttle with valuables. He asks, he asks if this is it. And the droid tells him that they are waiting on some stuff from the southern base, and asks if they should wait. Wat Tambor says he wants every valuable on the planet before he leaves. <laughs> Count Duke on a hologram tells him to evacuate. Wat Tambor agrees. When when the hollow is off, he tells Tekla droid that his that. He's to take orders only from Wat Tambor. The droid disagrees. There's this nice give and take in between yeah. the tactical droid and Wat Tambor. Yeah, it's it's actually funny you mentioned the Bad Batch because there's that um, in the, in the second season when they're on um, Serrano and um, the guy who's there, I can't remember his name, talks about how like, well, well the whole, okay, let me back up. The whole plot is them to like they're gonna try to steal some Dooku's treasure um, that like he stole, and just like coming back and then this episode just makes me think about it because they're just like they're looting the planet. Um, did that stuff end up on Sereno? Yeah, that's good. That's a good question. So I was looking up the name of that guy, um, Romar, Romar Adele is the old guy on Serrano who uh, meets the Bad Batch in the episode Relics of War. That's a good episode. But yeah, that, this this stuff could very well end up on Serrano because we, it does get off planet. All right, uh, where are we? Uh, Cham meets via hologram with Senator Ta. <laughs> I love this meeting. Um, and they immediately insult each other. The second they see each other, they start attacking each other. <laughs> they fight about who has the real power. Um, Chan basically says, you're a fat ass who lives on Coruscant. And uh, Orn Fritaw basically calls him a terrorist. Yeah. <laughs> Anakin calls Windu to say, says his fighters are taking out as many bombers as he can. But he recommends that they evacuate the cities. Um, it's good to hear from Anakin. We haven't heard from him in two episodes. Mace says he needs to destroy the droid ships, and Anakin says that's what he's trying to do. Um, in the conference between Ta and Cham, Senator Ta says the clone army will not occupy Ryloth. Mace asks if Cham will if if Cham will pledge that he will not assume power on Ryloth. And Cham says he only wants to see his people free. He believes in democracy. The conference has ended. Cham tells the men of Ryloth it's time for them to take back their planet. Everybody cheers. So at the capital, the plasma bridge is deactivated. There are these air raid style sirens, and Wat Tambor orders the Twi'leks out into the open to slow any Jedi attack. 
Um, these people are clearly starving to death, but he's using them as human shields again, as in the previous episode. Mm-hmm. Mace Windu and the forces, both Cham's forces and the clone forces, advance on the city. They need to gain control of the plasma bridge. Cham says the troop transports are being used to loot the planet. They can probably hide inside to gain control of the bridge. So Mace and two clones get inside one of the transports that are headed toward the bridge. These are the last of the loot from the southern bases that was alluded to in the previous conversation with Watt. The tactical droid tells Watt Tambor that it's time to leave, but another droid tells him that the last loads of treasure are arriving. So Watt Tambor orders the plasma bridge activated, and he will leave once he has all the treasure. The transports start crossing the bridge, and two droids approach to scan the loads. They have these, like, metal detectors. Yeah. They look like those those metal detectors people have on beaches. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, They clear the first load, but they pick up an anomaly in the second one. They request the cargo hatch be open. They open it up, and Mace is standing there, and they start fighting on the bridge. They're in the middle of the bridge. And so the droids order that the bridge be deactivated, causing everything to fall. Yeah. This is a very good action scene and shows how insanely powerful Mace is. Mm -hmm. So using the Force, Mace throws the two clone troopers to the end of the bridge, The bridge turns off and the transport falls. Mace leaps from one to the other, and then he leaps off of the second transport up to a stap flyer, which is those little flying speeders that the battle droids ride sometimes. And he jumps from one of those to another one of those. They crash together, and then he lands at the end of the bridge and then uses the force to pick up the clones and safely, because they're sort of hanging off the edge of the bridge, Mm -hmm. place them on the ground. Yeah, I, I always like um, sequences like this, using uh, showing use of the Force, like um, like the Siege of Mandalore, where uh, Ahsoka just, like, she comes down to the surface just by jumping on from, like, ship to ship um, on her way down. Yeah, so, so the sound design team had a lot to say about this sequence, because the way that they, the way that they designed the sound is right when the bridge turns off, all of the music stops. There's no ambient music in the episode. And everything that happens until Mace lands on the other side of the bridge, there's this echoey, like distant echoey sense to all of the noise. So you're not hearing the noise as it's happening in the universe. You're supposed to sort of be hearing it as Mace is perceiving it when he's deep in this forced trance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's very detached from the action it's incredibly effective. I really, really liked it. So at the same time that this is happening, Cham has begun a charge with all of the Blurgs and the clones. Um, Mace says to Mace says to the clones that were on the bridge with him, that he's going to hold off the droids. They have to turn the bridge on. And so the clones run into the bunker where the bridge controls are, and Mace starts just ripping apart droids with the force. The bridge goes on. Cham's men get across the bridge and start destroying the droid forces. Mace says he's going to Rattambor. I rewatched this right before we started recording. And Mace's actions in the capital city, um, in that first initial section of the capital city, where he's fighting all the droids by himself, I thought was reminiscent of Mace's character in the Tartabosky Clone Wars, 
where he's just ripping apart all those super battle droids. Mm, yeah. Very impressive fighting. Yeah. All right, so the clones who reactivated the bridge, two commando droids go in and fight the clones to try to turn the, the bridge off while the, while the transports and the ATTs are filling the city. Um, but the clones hold their ground. It's a really good fist fight. The tactical droid who's been arguing with Tambor this entire time about evacuation finally just decides to leave without him. <laughs> and <laughs> this is a pretty funny scene because what Tambor is literally like 20 feet behind the droid and the droid's like, I'm leaving. And he just gets on the ship and flies away. Yeah. Now I noticed something with his animation. Is he meant to, he's, is he meant to just kind of like float? Yeah, we'll get there. Okay. I've got some details about how, they animated Watt Tambor. So the the droid reports to Dooku that Watt Tambor refused to leave to evacuate in time. Dooku says that's a shame and orders the, bomb, the bombers to destroy the city. The bombers turn back toward the capital city. Mace Windu fights his way to Tambor and demands a surrender. Tambor sees the bombers coming and says they will die for the separatist cause. The ships are shot down by Anakin at the last minute. Ahsoka says that was close. Anakin replies, it always is. Wat Tambor. Now Cham is where Mace and Wat Tambor are. The droid army is presumably destroyed. Wat Tambor asks what the terms of surrender are. Cham says unconditional. And Wat Tambor agrees. Uh, Cham thanks Mace for their help. Mace says all of Ryloth earned their freedom. There's a blurg and clone parade. The end. Do you have any comment on this last section here? Uh, no, I was, I was actually wondering if we were going to get like, um, cause it had been a while since I watched it, um, that I was thinking that, oh, no Ahsoka at all. Cause you, you they just showed her in a like, flash of her in her starfighter when they showed Anakin for the first time, but no dialogue. And so I was, I was actually surprised that they brought her in for just like one little, one little, um, line. Yeah. Her and Anakin weren't in the previous episode at all. It was all Obi-Wan. And so this this whole arc was like the Ahsoka episode, the Obi-Wan episode, the Mace episode. And Anakin has been a background character the whole time. But he gets this nice exchange with Windu saying like, oh, shoot down all the fighters. And then he gets the hero shot where he saves the day at the end and prevents the bombers from bombing the city. All right, before we get any further... Uh, did you like it? Yeah, I, I liked it. Um, I liked it. It was a good episode. Yeah, I do too. I think I think it's really solid. It's a good way to. I know it's not the last episode of season one. We have there was one more produced. Uh, there's one more episode produced after this. We're not going to get to it until well into season two because it's part of an arc that was finished in season two. And as far as like an exit point for the season, I think it's great to end on a high note. Um, and it's a great introduction to the character of Cham, which goes on to um, Lords of the Sith, the novel, and then he appears in Rebels as well. And if it's not obvious, he is the father of Hera. Yes. Yeah, I would actually like to see him in like um, in like the Bad Batch or uh, Andor, or or even um, if he's still alive, the in the uh, the post empire era um the new republic 
I, I guess doesn't matter. It's post 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 Empire New Republic era. Yeah, I think I think we could do a lot if he's if they want to keep him alive. That period. I mean, Hera's active in that period. She probably has reasons to to talk with her father, right? Yeah, I agree. All right. Um, let's do the fortune cookie real quick. See if the fortune cookie is applicable. So the fortune cookie is compromise is a virtue to be cultivated, not a weakness to be despised. Do you think this is applicable to this episode? Uh, the first part, yes. The second part, not as much. It's like, yeah, like like um, Champ and Ormfrey Ta kind of have to um, get along. But it um, the second part doesn't make a whole lot of sense for this one. Because neither of them were posturing, like, not backing down because of, like, pride or whatever. I mean, I, I don't know, maybe. But, I mean, so, in the end, maybe, like, kind of like half half of it does. I mean, you're making a good case. I was going to say it did. But I don't think I don't think they've established either Ornfree Taz or Cham's motivation here. And we can get into this right, right now. Because Cham's character was completely changed in the writing of this episode. Do you want to hear the crazy thing that they originally had written that would have ruined a lot of Star Wars? Uh, yeah. Cham was a traitor. Oh. Cham, the original concept of Cham Syndulla is that he was working with Wat Tambor to undermine the uh, Ryloth resistance movement. And when they went when they went to go write the episode, this was the concept they had for Cham. They decided that that plot was too difficult to communicate in the cartoon, and they just made him a freedom fighter instead. Hmm. There is very little written about this version of Cham, but it comes up in two independent sources, and one of them is um, Filoni. So I 100% believe it. And. Oh. And his motivation was completely to grab power from Ornfrita and become like the dictator of Ryloth. Hmm. That was his that was his goal. I am so happy that they didn't go this direction with him. I've said it before on this podcast. Lords of the Sith is a fucking incredible book. Yes, it is. If you haven't read the book, listener, go get that book. I you can't it's it's really hard to find a copy of that book, but you can get an audible copy of it, right? Like a physical copy of that book was hard to get two years ago when I tried to get it. Um, but it is a, as far as an assassination plot book goes, it is incredible. And there's, it's not just Cham, but I think you and I both love Isval. Yes. And that character is incredible. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. This, if you liked this episode, you, you would love that book. Hard stop. Yeah. There's also just there's also just stuff about Vader in that book that's in nothing else. Right? You uh, learn a ton about Vader and Palpatine in that book. Oh yeah. The, the I mean there's a one point where there's like like Vader is like they're having a space battle um with Vader and Vader like his 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 ship comes up like his cockpit comes near theirs and he starts force force choking a guy from his yeah. ship in the other ship. But even when they're even when they're on the ground and they go to like the village of like primitives, like Vader Vader realizing that he 
that the that the emperor has used an ancient Sith language to like label them as like dead, like label the villagers as all dead. Vader knows that he's going to have to execute all these people, which is so crazy. Like the whole book is good. Yeah. Man, who wrote that book? I'll look it up real quick. Yeah, there's the, yeah, the, um, the character, like character, like Isval before she gets, uh, before she dies, she tells Vader she because expl- she's, like, has like, uh, like she and Cham sort of have like a, will they, won't they sort of thing that never gets realized, and she's tries to explain her actions to Vader, um, because what she she did out of love, she did everything that she did out of love. And just in kind of a crazy, like, um, like something you don't normally see out of Vader. He's like, I, I know what you mean. And then he's done horrible things because of love. Yeah, there's nothing, there's no bad part about that book. So this book is written by um, Paul S. Kemp, which actually wrote the book uh, Deceived, which I talked about, I think, last week or two weeks ago. It's the um, Legends book about Malgus mm-hmm. that I really enjoyed. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, just go get the book. Yeah. Like, it's so good. Yeah, like that, the, like the, um, like the moth is like a, just like a drug addict. Oh, that's right. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> she's completely absent. And yeah, every, th- every part of that book, like the, her commander is like betraying her and trying to set her up for, for failure, but Cham has put him in a terrible position. <sighs> He tries to shoot down her shuttle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're giving too much away of the book, but it's it's one of those books that both of us just so thoroughly enjoy. Mm-hmm. All right, do you want to go through some production and trivia stuff real quick? Okay, let's do it. All right, just some just some trivia of the episode. Cham's blaster that he's using is the same as Han's blaster in Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Um. This was something they did very intentionally and make him look like a hero. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're loading treasures onto Wat Tambor's um, shuttle, one of the treasures they're loading on is the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> of course, but instead it is. of yeah, instead of angels on top, there are two Twi'leks kneeling on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, so the mountain pass in the very beginning. Um, there's two really funny interviews with the animation staff about the scene. Um, they basically rendered the whole thing. Uh, they didn't use matte paintings or background or static images. They did a three-dimensional map of the whole canyon, and they all said they would never do this again because one of, one of them said, like, it's like your boss comes to you and says render the Grand Canyon, and then you do it, and they hand you a paintbrush, and they say, now paint it. <laughs> you have a month. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, um, I don't, I don't know if you remember the wedding cake from my wedding, but it was like three layers. Uh, it was white, and then it just had, um, all sorts of, like, like, like words, um, like, uh, on it every, um, everywhere, and just, basic like love marriage husband whatever and like after the after the the woman who did it um like uh delivered it she was like i'm never doing that again because it was so hard for her to do 
the, well, I, mean, I assume she got paid so she can. Yeah, but it was like it, it was so hard. Like just her hand is cramping. It was so difficult to do this. It's like it turned out great, and and but she's just like, and I never want to do it again. Yeah, so this is a very similar situation where they created this gigantic set, digital set, and then they had to texture and paint the whole fucking thing. And they said by the time they were done, it was so large they could barely render it. <laughs> and this is like the technology at the time. Mm-hmm. They were so mad at themselves. And later they're like, yeah, we should just use a matte painting for a lar- large portion of it that we, w- we wouldn't have to animate it. But I, I watched it after I saw that episode, after I saw that interview and it looks gorgeous. So it paid off, I guess. But this is also an efficiency thing. They're still in season one. This is a late episode that's produced, and they're still making, quote-unquote, mistakes that waste money. But it looks great, right? Mm-hmm. So the bombers that bomb the cities are called hyena bombers, and I think this is their first appearance. Um, but they were an elaboration on the vulture droids. They were The vulture droids are sort of a single cockpit, quote-unquote cockpit. They have one bulge in the middle of the two wings. These have two bulges, and they're supposed to look like Thai bombers from Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, I think it looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, so when in the very beginning, when Mace Windu breaks the windshield by putting his hand on it and using the force to shatter the glass, in the original script, he uses his lightsaber to cut through the glass. Um, Filoni later said that they changed that to reference the now Legends book Shatterpoint about Mace Windu's ability to uh, see breaks in the Force. Right. Okay. I like I like that very subtle detail. Mm-hmm. Um, or we already talked about the change in Cham's character, which I very much appreciate that they didn't go the direction they were going to go. Um, but there are other changes in the script, uh, including instead of finding the Twi'lek rebels in the desert, Mace rescues a bunch of Twi'leks from a cage hanging over a volcano. Um, but they scrapped this idea because it made Ryloth look too much like Mustafar. And we know that one planet, one climate, yeah, one geological feature, they didn't want volcanoes on Ryloth. I like that they didn't do this though, because it sounds too Looney Tunes to me. Yeah, very kind of. I don't. Of I don't know how to put it. Cliche, just like it's been done before. It's very. It's a hat on a hat. It's very unnecessary. You can mm-hmm. show people being rescued without dangling them in a Dungeons and Dragons cage over a volcano. Right. Um, there's a lot of just to keep keep us moving. Um, there's a lot of arabesque in this episode, and there's a, for example, there's something on a computer screen that says football is the second best sport. <laughs> I don't know why it says that. Um, there's also a rant about um, post-clone awareness syndrome on the on a screen in the background. I don't know what that's about. But I, I picked out those raptor walkers I talked about earlier. They have B-E-A written on the side of them. I don't know what that's about. But I did pick out um, a clone commander's helmet in the charge on the plasma bridge. The back of Commander Pond's, like Pond helmet, is a phrase that says, some guys have all the luck written in Arabesh. Hmm. So they really went crazy with the Arabesh in this episode. And... I have been talking for a long time, and I'm going to stop now. 
Um, okay. Do you have any questions about questions or comments about the production or trivia about this episode? No, no. Um, that's a lot of info. On, um, good You're, job. We're in, a, we're in agreement about like them not going that direction with Sham is a good decision, right? Yeah, yeah. They've because um, they'd already done that like earlier in the season with that um, Senate guard. Oh, that's so, true. You know, no no need to constantly have somebody who's um some sort of like intrigue and like um double agent sort of like uh betrayal sort of stuff sometimes just show a really great battle like the beginning of this episode the battle was really great where they're trying to get through that windy um path and they're just being shelled from um from the um the other side by the droids that was just i thought that was just great just I was, go ahead sorry sorry it's just like just jumping it was the start of the episode just jumped right into the middle of like a of a, a battle reminded me a lot of the the clone wars movie when they're yes. when they're assaulting the um when they're assaulting the uh the temple on death yes i i like i like how you just described it though about you don't need you don't need another betrayer or a betrayer in every single arc they don't even explain effectively which is good in my opinion. This isn't a fault of the. Ep- this isn't a flaw in the episode. But they don't explain the differences in between Sham and Ornfrita. They just present them as these two dudes have history. They don't like each other, but they seem to be on the same side in as much as they have to liberate Ryloth. Mm-hmm. And I like I like the idea that these cultures aren't monolithic. That there's people inside the culture that disagree what's best for everybody at the time. At any given time, right? And this is really like like they have different philosophies about what the future of Ryloth should be. They're not disagreeing that Ryloth that Wat Tambor should be in jail, right? Yeah. We can all agree Hitler's bad, right? Yeah. Let's argue about whether or not we need to ally ourselves with the Soviets to get to kill Hitler, yeah. right? That's really what they're talking about, right? Yeah. It's like like how bad is this situation? Is it bad enough to where we can't solve the problem ourselves? Yeah. Or do we have to cozy up to something that may might make might make us feel uncomfortable in the future? Yeah. I love it. Because it's it's it shows like real problem solving, real compromise, real like I don't know how to put it. But it just it just feels very authentic to me. Where it's like, yes, you have an idealist like Cham who's like, fuck everyone who's not a Twilight. Yeah. Like we need to we need to cure our planet of this, and I don't care how long it takes. This is my life's work. He comes along and he's like, like, well, we can do it faster for you. And he's like, I don't want her, your help. He's like, actually, you're being exterminated again. He's like, all right, fine, let's do this. Mm-hmm. It's very practical. It's very reasonable in that moment. It is. And he's like, we'll deal with the problem of who you actually are tomorrow because what's happening today is terrible. I love it, and I love that Orin Frita turns out to be a real piece of shit. Yeah later because oh, yeah. that's that's also a character arc right you learn like just how fucking terrible that dude is and it's great yeah cool so all right so you want to get to the uh, ratings yeah let's do the ratings okay yeah we've been talking for a while so um now's the time where we rate episodes we rate episodes by a star wars character so a really great episode would be an original trilogy character han luke leia vader chewie etc a really bad episode would just be a character who if they just got thanos snapped out of existence we wouldn't even know the difference so matt what is your uh rating for this episode 
I think you used her recently, but I'm going to do a Hera for this Hera. one. Okay. This is a great episode. It's an important episode. Lots happens. It leads into everything. Leads into a bunch of stuff later in Star Wars that I love. And the choices they made all work here. It's it's a wonderful, wonderful episode. I This would be on my essential viewing list for uh, Clone Wars. Yeah, not, um, not to get off track, but like at the very end, they show it. The very end of the episode, they show a Twilight girl. Um, it's not Hera, but it's just it makes made me realize that that the way that the way that they draw Twilight girls, early children, they look very much like goblin. Um, the sorry, not the goblins, but the elves from Harry Potter. She, I mean, she looked like like Dobby, the house elf. So it's yeah, like, she, she's very gaunt and skinny and long, long armed, right? Mm-hmm. So I did look it up since I don't want to interrupt your your um, rating. But do you know when Hera was born? No. So according to Wikipedia, which is flawless because geniuses like me edit it, <laughs> Hera is eight years old at the time of this episode. But obviously, this was produced prior to them thinking that it would be useful for there to be a Hera. But she is the approximate age of that girl in the parade. Mm-hmm. And so, so theoretically she is somewhere. Yeah. Were there, are there more episodes in, on Ryloth? In Clone Wars? Yeah. I'd have to check that. I'll do that right now. Because there's a, um, there's a Y wing that crashes right outside of their house and that's where she gets chopper. So, I would find it hard to believe that, that that detail is included, but I am looking it up. The problem is, is that there's a thousand. All right, so there are... Mm, no, not really. So. All right, so it's its own thing then. It'll appear, it'll appear in three episodes of Clone Wars in the future, but um, they're marked as in flashback, on poster, and on billboard. And so two of those are bullshit. And usually in these Wikipedia summaries, when it says in flashback, it means in in the real, in the beginning. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, right. Separatists are taking control of the outer rim, and they'll show a clip for one of these episodes in that reel, right? And so that's that's probably what that means. And so we have this arc. We have Jedi Crash which we already reviewed, and Supply Lines, which we've already reviewed. So it appears in these five episodes. And so I don't think that Y-Wing is referenced in a TV show or in an episode or an animation episode. It might be in a comic book or something because there's hundreds of mentions, mentions of Ryloth in canon. Yeah, I was just hoping that there'd be you'd see like uh, Y-Wings used on Ryloth at one point. So you can be like, oh, yeah, but one of those is the one that crashed. With Chopper in yeah, it. yeah. But, All right, let's um, write that short story. <laughs> okay. All right, so uh, for my rating, I'm uh, man. I I feel bad because I don't want to like use up like like really good characters, but I I'll, I'll give this one uh, um, Isla Sakura. Nice, because um, she's Twilight and it's on Ryloth. Uh, it was a good episode. It was it was very good. There were there were some rough animation spots. There's also some great animation spots, like the, um, like the uh, the beginning of that that mountain pass that you, you talked about. So, it was it was really good overall. It's just nice, nothing, no like head scratchers. You're just that you're just kind of like, well, 
we're just going to pretend that didn't happen and keep watching. Um, it just was just a um, it was just solid from start to finish. Yeah, I I loved it. Cool. I'm glad you loved it too. All right. So do you want to do the uh, roll the d20? Um, so I thought we'd I thought we'd sidestep that this week um, for two reasons. Oh, one, that's right. Okay. One, we're at the end of season one from our from our point of view. There is one other episode of season one, but I'm going to pull up the order of Clone Wars episodes because the next episode we would do. Sorry, I'll edit this so it makes more sense. Next episode we would do is called Holocron Heist, which is episode one of season two. Which is a great episode. Ooh, except, yeah. except we. This is going to be posted um, two days or the day before um, Bad Batch season three. Um, and so I think this is probably yeah. So Bad Batch comes out on February twenty first, and this gets published on February twentieth. So two weeks from or twelve days from today. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I, th- I think what we're going to probably end up doing three episodes of Bad Batch get released on that day and then we're going to decide how many of those we're going to review that first week and then just do Bad Batch episodes for the next however many weeks Bad Batch runs there's 15 episodes but if we do two that first day like we did last season we'll do it for 14 weeks etc cetera, etc cetera, right right um but we, I think, instead of rolling a die and tempting fate, we're going to transition to Bad Batch episodes, and after that we will decide what we're going to do next. But this is a, a logical break point for Clone Wars. We'll, we'll probably do a supplemental episode um, talking about our first season of Clone Wars being done. But just watch your podcast feeds for that. But for this week... I think I'm going to forego the die roll. Okay. If that's okay, if that's okay with you. Well, that's perfectly fine. Do you want me to just do it just because? I mean... See if we would have? I mean, I don't know. You do lot brain lurdo! <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to do it. All right. Just because. I rolled a nine. <laughs> so... Wow. <laughs> 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 I did roll a nine, but... It doesn't matter. Like it's a it's a fun way to make sure that there's a little bit of chaos in the program. But I think I think Bad Batch is one of the things that got us back into podcasting, back into releasing shows. Bad Batch is coming back out in uh, ten days, no, thirteen days from now, from the time of this recording. Um, so I think we're just going to hold on. We're just going to transition to that for a little bit. Yeah, and I'm super excited about Bad Batch season three. Um, so, and like I said, this comes out. I think the day before or two days before the premiere of season three. So mm-hmm. we haven't seen anything. Everything's cool, but here we go. All right. I'm just going to play us out with the outro. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, 
Please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All right.